Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And we're going quite hands-on today because I'm bringing you a session that I recorded earlier in the year with Kaylee Nicolau from vegan web and design agency Kakadu Creative. And in a minute, we're going to be talking all things web, including how to plan out a website that's going to lead people along a journey when they view it. And hopefully the end point of that journey will be people getting in touch with you or buying your product. We'll also be looking at the benefits of building a website yourself, and there are some to that, versus using a professional web design agency such as Kakadu. And I wanted to feature Kakadu on the podcast especially because Kaylee and Lee, they have been real vegan business tribe champions. They have been involved pretty much since day one. And not only has it been great to have them as part of VBT, but it's also been wonderful to see how they have evolved as a company too. Because when they joined us at Vegan Business Tribe, they didn't actually promote themselves as a vegan web design company. They have been on a long journey and supported by everyone at Vegan Business Tribe to start embracing their veganism and bringing it to the front of their business. So I spent a while also talking to Kaylee about how they made that change and more importantly, how their customers reacted to it. And I know that since we recorded this website masterclass with Kakadu, they have since won the kind of work and been able to link up with the contacts that they hadn't been able to before, simply because of their shared vegan ethics with that person or company that they're now working with. And that's what Vegan Business Tribe is all about. Surrounding yourself with other people who are on the same mission as you are, who just get you and understand why you're doing what you're doing, that means that you're not on this journey on your own. You have other people around you who want you to succeed because they want to see the same change in the world that you're working to bring about. So here's an invite for you. If you would like to be part of that kind of vegan business community, if you would like to get access to all that practical and moral support from people who just understand why you have a vegan business in the first place, and that's not just from me and Lisa, but also from people like Kaylee from Kakadu, then come and join us as a member of Vegan Business Tribe if you're not one already. Not only do you get access to our full archive of content, as well as helping to support this podcast, keep going out every week, but you'll also get access to our community hub, our online events and networking meetups, our courses and collections, as well as finding a whole new bunch of cheerleaders for your vegan business. So let's get into this. 
As I said, we recorded this session earlier in the year on Zoom for the website. So if you want to find the video version where you can see mine and Kaylee's happy smiling faces, then just head over to the latest content page on the website and search for Kakadu, which is K-A-K-A-D-U. Okay. So we know that the first thing somebody does when they find out about your business is go and check out your website. And what they find there, that will dictate what happens next. Research shows that somebody makes up their mind about your company and whether they want to work with you or not within the first few seconds of loading up your website. So in this masterclass with Kaylee, we dive into how you can make your website better. First, though, I asked Kaylee about her and Kakadu's own vegan journey and what impact that has had. Hello, and today I'm joined by Kaylee Nicolou from web and branding agency Kakadu Creative. How are you doing today, Kaylee? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing absolutely amazing today. And today we're talking about actually a really interesting topic because we're talking all about web, or more specifically, why getting your website right is so important as a vegan business. And what I love is that you're not actually a developer or a coder yourself, are you? So you've got people at Kakadu who are the coders and developers who could do that for you yeah I'm, I'm the face I, I have men that do the work and I'm the face um yeah so Lee, Lee's our creative director and um, so he makes everything look beautiful and then Paul is the developer and I, I'm the one that that yeah just keeps them keeps them ticking along keeps cracking that whip that, that's brilliant. So what I like about that, though, is you're actually coming to web design from the side of the client and the user. So we should have quite an interesting conversation today. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, brilliant. Well, just before we, we dive into this, though, Kaylee, so I know that you are ethically vegan yourself, you know, and, and that's yeah. the thing that binds us all together at Vegan Business Tribe. So do you want to just tell me what your vegan journey was? How did you come to be vegan yourself? I'm sure, yes. It, it started really when my mum my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer um, and long story short we we don't know whether i've got a history of it in our family we can't track it so um, they can't do the test which is weird you think they do the test just by course but they can't do the test if i've got the genetic predisposition so that made me start looking at okay well i need to minimize my risk how do i minimize my risk and um, it was just at the time where that article came out, there was a load of research that came out that linked processed meat to a carcinogenic, the same as tobacco. And, um, and it just made me think. So I started looking into you know, my food and all the rest of it. And then um, and once you start on that path, you know, you, you can't stop. Once you start seeing the impacts of it from an, an environmental perspective, an animal perspective, your health, it was like, right, OK, so um, I came home and said to Lee one week, I said, right, I want to try being vegetarian. And then I thinking I'd get the news, like, no way, many meat type thing. And then, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. So that first week it was kind of right. Okay. Let's, let's find some recipes that we can go along with and, and um, see if we can do it. And it, it was just great. Um, but it's funny because my mum, my mum finds it really funny that I'm vegan. She's vegan too, by the way, but she finds it really funny that I'm vegan because I was the fussiest eater i lived when i was younger on she says i just lived on chicken nuggets chips and beans she couldn't get me to eat anything else and when i think about it i was always very much like i could never be vegan i could never be vegetarian you know i don't eat vegetables 
Um, but in reality, I think I was kind of a vegan in disguise. I hated chicken on the bone, couldn't stand eating um, red meat, steak or anything. I never ate pork, never ate lamb, didn't like milk, wasn't a huge fan of cheese. So actually, I kind of already was. So it was um, two or three years of being vegetarian and then slowly sort of got rid of the, the, the final things, the cake, the chocolate. Um, and what was the other thing I struggled with? Oh, and pizza. They were like my last three. And there's it's two, three years now, fully vegan. And um, yeah, never look back. Love it. And that's brilliant. I always feel very sorry for people who turn vegan for their health benefits. And then they realize we've got vegan pizza and we've got vegan cake and we've got all these really bad things yeah. for you now. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, probably the first year or so, we were much better. We were cooking lots more whole food, but... I'm not being funny. People like Matt Matthew Glover who bring out that vegan fried chicken. He's got something to answer for because that stuff is too good. And now we're just, yeah, part of our diet is vegan junk food. But it's great. I, I love it. It's brilliant. That's great to hear, Kaylee, as well. But I think when we turn vegan ourselves, we always go through this vegan journey, don't we? So most people, just like you're saying, it starts with the food. And then you look at what you're wearing. You look at the cosmetics you're using, what you've got around the house. But at some point, you start to look about how you actually spend your time and how you earn a living. Now, mm -hmm. I know this is a journey that you've been through with Kakadu Creative. I know that quite recently, you have been moving towards being more than ethical design agency. Yeah, it was something that we we always had in the background of the business. So we always ran the business ethically behind the scenes. But and it seems stupid to say this now because we've made the transition, but we were always really nervous about putting our ethics at the front of the business. We worried it would turn people off, that we'd lose customers and all the rest of it. And then um, and then we sort of sat obviously COVID happened, so we sat back and and you know, business changed overnight pretty much. And then um, we sat back and we said, right, okay, this is an opportunity to really look at the business and see where we take it. And, um, and we looked at the customers and we looked at the kind of people we wanted to work with. And we, we had some really great customers and some, some people we love working with. But it was a case of, okay, are they doing what we would like them to be doing? Or are they going in the direction we, that we would like them to be, to, go, to be going in? And are we working with the kind of people that really excite us and are you know, driving positive change? And the answer was no. I think we, we had a conversation very early on in this, didn't we? And you, you use this term that I use quite a lot in that they were neutrally ethical. They weren't doing anything overtly bad, but they weren't doing anything overtly good. Um, and we sat back and we said, is that what we want for the future of Kakadu? You know, do we want neutrally ethical customers or do we want to push in the ethical direction? And the answer was, was we want to be, work with more ethical companies and, and drive that sector forward. Um, so we took some time and we, um, we, we did our messaging and um, reached out to more um, ethical, ethical people in the ethical sector. And people like yourself and Lisa were brilliant and gave us so much great advice. And we bit the bullet and we um, yeah, changed all our messaging and brought our personal ethics to the front of the business. And that was six seven months ago and 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 you said this to me at the time you said you'll you'll wish you did it sooner and i wish we'd done it sooner i really do that is amazing to hear. i mean just expand on that so so what actually happened when you did that because i know we've got a lot of members who we have that exact same conversation with they want yeah. to either veganize a business or they want to just work with ethical businesses but they're worried about the clients they might lose so what actually happened when you did that when you brought your ethics to the front of the business 
nothing with our current customers actually so many of them were, were really supportive and you know and it's, it's actually been really great because it's opened up conversations with people that we'd have never had before so because we're being more overt with the things that we're doing within Kakadu um, it's creating conversations where people are saying I didn't even realize that that was an issue or I hadn't even thought about that tell me more and so it means that we're we're kind we're being part of the change so not only are we now in a position where people who are working in the ethical and vegan and cruelty-free and sustainable sectors are seeing that we are aligned with their values and are more inclined to want to have a conversation with us about working together. It also means that companies that aren't in that sector and who, who um, aren't necessarily vegan or cruelty-free or sustainable or ethical are looking at their own business now because of the things that we're putting out and thinking, oh, actually, we, if we just made that slight switch, that we, we could you know become a more ethical business ourselves so we're, we're also driving part of the change which is really exciting really exciting absolutely and using that term uh, you know cruelty free especially and I, i've seen that on the homepage of your website that always leads to the question for people ask well why aren't other businesses cruelty free so it always yeah. starts that conversation that you can have and it's almost this you know vegan by stealth it, it's it's a way to get people just a little bit more educated and onto that journey themselves yeah yeah exactly and it's it's something that when we when we're sort of making the decision of do we don't we do we don't we we can't we sat back and we said let's think about this for one second if we put to the front of our business that we're ethical sustainable cruelty free vegan you know all of that stuff and someone says Mm, I don't want to work with you because you're ethical. Do we actually want to work with them? Not really. So actually, for us, it kind of helps us to weed out those people that you know we wouldn't connect with. And if you don't, you need to connect, especially in what we do. We need to understand that customer's business. We need to understand them, their their goals, their customers. And if we can't engage with them, if we're not on the same level of them as them, and we can't have a conversation, we're never going to deliver the best work. So. It, yeah, it's it's definitely been the right thing for us to do. And that is absolutely brilliant to hear. And I'm sure a lot of people will take inspiration from that as well. So let's actually just move on to then talking about websites in general, because I'm old enough, and I know I don't look it, but I'm old enough to remember when most companies didn't have websites. I mean, I was building websites myself back in the 90s, so I was there right at the start of this. And we've got to the point now where the first thing that somebody does when they hear about your company is they go and look at your website, isn't it? And they'll make, they'll make all their decisions based on, on what they see just in this little window. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was really interesting. Before we started Kakadu, I actually worked in um, print advertising sales. So uh, I was in a very traditional in traditional advertising sector. And um, we were constantly having conversations with customers, you know, companies that had been going around 20, 30 years, and we're very used to putting an advert into a magazine and having the phone ring or having people come into the shop and saying, I saw your advert. And, and they'd sort of say, oh, it's not working. It's not working. And it's like, well, have you looked at your website? Because people aren't picking the phone up anymore. They're not. They're not coming straight into the, into your, your showroom or your office or whatever it is. They are going straight to your website and they are doing their research there. Um, so it, it's so important. It's massively shifted. And it's, um, it's interesting to, be, to have started on the one side saying, print, print, print. And now I'm like, well, also web. <laughs> <laughs> I can do both now. I'm not. I'm not just aligned to print. I can give the whole, the whole conversation, which is good. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the, the scary thing about that is uh, it might have been Google or, or somebody did quite a lot of research on, you know, how people use websites. But they worked out that there's a three-second rule, that when someone comes to your website, they decide if they want to work with you or not, if they want to use your company or if they want to buy from you within the first three seconds of loading your web page. Now, that's actually something that's quite scary. Mm, yeah, I mean... The research, we were looking at some research previously, and the attention span, the average attention span for people was about 10 seconds, and this was two years ago, and it's now eight seconds. In two years, we've lost two seconds. So yeah, you know, people are, they are quick. They want information fast. They will make their decisions quickly, and they're not going to hang around. If you don't, if you don't have a strong opener on your site and you don't tell them what they need to know straight away, they will find someone else who does. Yeah. And that's the really important thing as well, isn't it? Because you can do a little bit of an experiment yourself. You can go to your own website and just count one, two, three. And in that time, did I actually know what this company did? And did I actually see any reason I'd want to use them? Mm. Yeah. And there's also the big thing about the, the speed at which your site loads. So if your site takes 10 seconds to load, people are not hanging around. Um, I, I can't remember the specific figures, but there's something crazy like for every second of extra load time, you lose something like 10 or 20% of visitors. They'll just go, you know, so you, you not only have you got to be really clear when, when that first page loads about what you're telling the customer and what they, who you are, but that message also needs to load really flipping quick. Otherwise you've just lost them. It's yeah, it's, it's all about, getting that message across really quickly and as, as quickly as you can. Yeah, and I think what a lot of people forget as well is at the point someone's coming to your website, they're actually look, probably looking through lots of people's websites at the same time. So, you know, if again, if they don't see something in a few seconds that they like and they connect with, they just hit the back button and they go to look at all your competitors instead. Yeah. And that's not something that you'd have in the traditional world. You know, you, you you don't just put your head in the shop for a second and then go to see the next shop. You know, you go and look around and that, that just doesn't happen in web. But I think one thing which has really changed in our sector especially is that the big brands are now coming into the vegan sector and they've got these huge marketing yeah. budgets i mean when greg's launched their vegan sausage roll they pretty much built apple's website you know they, they, had, <laughs> they had 3d graphics they had all this video you know whizzing around and that so that's actually quite hard to compete with when you're a small vegan business just just with a small uh, budget yeah it is and it's i mean it's really exciting for the sector because there's so much more opportunity for people to, to to move into veganism and so many opportunities for people to try it. So it, it's great for the cause, but yeah, for the small independents, it's, it's really, it's going to become more and more difficult to fight against these companies that have got bigger budgets. And it's now even more important to make sure that your website looks as professional and slick as possible. Because, you know, you go back even five years, web, vegan websites and vegan businesses and their brands could be, pretty DIY because there wasn't a lot out there and you would and, get away with it wouldn't you yeah because yeah. vegans would be happy to search you know I've, I've spent time um like going on um happy cow app and searching for ages trying to find somewhere to, to eat for example and now I'm like well I could be in the high street and I could just go to Greg's and get one of their vegan sausage rolls and I don't have to spend ages searching so it's it's great for the cause but it does mean it's so much harder to to get yourself noticed because there's so much more competition now. Absolutely. But you can bring your mission into this as well, can't you? So, you know, especially if you are a vegan company, maybe if you don't quite have a budget yet to get that amazing website built, you can base everything around your mission and you can connect with your, you know, your users and your viewers that way. Yeah. And it's, 
it, it's a case of building your um, your audience and you know it's not just your website I think with every business you've got to be really conscious of the fact that yes you can build a website but you need lots of other touch points to help you build that audience and build that message um, and stay engaged with people you know people aren't going to come onto your website once and then keep coming back every day you know you've, you've got to keep talking to them in different ways and build that community I mean you guys have done an amazing job with the vegan business tribe of, of building a community and you know and that's that's what we have to do we have to keep engaging and and showing that we're not just in it for the money you know some of these big companies out there they are just seeing that the fact that the vegan industry is booming and they want a piece of that that pie whereas you know for a, for a proper independent vegan business it's not just about the money it's about the cause and that is where we can win by showing that it's not lip service you know we mean this we're passionate and this is what we're all about um, and yeah, that's that's how we can definitely get a step ahead of these big boys. Yeah, it is. And I love that you've got that at the top of your website as well, you know, because you, you, your own website, it, I mean, it looks fantastic. It, it looks spot on, but it's actually quite simple. And it's nice that you, you've got that message yourself right at the top. Yeah, yeah, it, it's important. And I mean, I can't take any of the credit for the, for the look of it. That's that's Lee's creative genius. No, go on, go on. You, yeah. I'd love to. I would love to. But I, I did come up with the name. Oh, yeah, I came up with the name. There you go. That's my claim to fame. But no, the the I, I, I don't know where Lee gets his ideas from. He is just a force for creative good and just amazingness. But um, yeah, it's it's it is relatively simple, but it's impactful and it's strong. And I think this is the thing as well. I, Quite often when we set Kakadu up and we were looking at branding and everything, we were looking at our competitors and, and other agencies out in there in the in the um, sector. And they all pretty much follow a very similar design style. It's very clean, it's white, it's very simple text, and you know, it's it's all generally very same same and we never wanted to do that which is why if you I mean you've seen our site you go onto a site it's really different it's dirty it's grub it's grimy it's you know it's because we we wanted to stand up we wanted to show you know we're a creative agency this is this is us being creative um and you don't you don't need fancy bells and whistles to be able to achieve that yeah, absolutely. And, and personality is really important as well. And so many small vegan businesses, they are based on someone's personality. You know, so many people will build a business around themselves, but then they'll fail to get that personality across on their websites. And it can be quite easy to do, you know, just making sure you've got, um, you know, some nice photos of you on there. Make sure you've got sort of videos of yourself, maybe talking to camera. And these are sort of things you can do to get your personality across. And I think that's what I love about Kakadu. You know, when you come to the site, it is a site which is just bursting with personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am. Um, it's funny because I because when you actually meet Lee, he's very quiet. He's 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 very much just a sit back and he'll watch. But you get to know him and you get under that surface, and all of that personality comes out. But yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on a little bit then to how people actually use websites now, because we've kind of touched on it already, that people are actually expecting a lot more from websites, because mm -hmm. they're, 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 we use web so much in our everyday life, and we expect it just to work, and we expect it to be fast, just as you like said, and we expect it to be online all the time, and just to be able to find the information straight away. But if you've never actually approached, you know, building a website yourself, this is quite hard to actually get your head around sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... It's, it's, it's definitely a case of taking some time and sitting down and really thinking about, okay, 
what, who is, who's, who's going to be visiting my site? What are they going to want to know? What are the questions that they're going to have? And, and what are the answers to those questions? And um, I'm starting to jot that stuff down because that will start to, to create your content plan. Um, but as well as that, you need to also think about, well, what do I want when that visitor lands on the site and, and I'm giving them the answers to those questions? What do I want to do? Want, want them to do once they've got those answers? Do I want them to book a call? Do I want them to buy a product? Do I want them to download a lead magnet, for example? You know, you need to work out what you want those those visitors to do as well because it's, there's no point sitting down in front of you know an online website builder and just chucking in a load of content being like right great i've got a website done you know it, it's it's not it's so important you know your website now is is probably going to be one of the first things um, a potential customer sees before they even speak to you they someone might have referred them referred you to them they might have seen a social media post they might have seen um, an advert somewhere and the next thing they do is they go to your website and so it's really important to make sure that you're engaging with them straight away um, and giving them the information they want but like I said obviously not just giving them the information but also ensuring you capture that visitor so that you can keep talking to them on, on an ongoing basis I think it's something like I hear differing stats. It's like between seven and fifteen interactions. You have to have between seven and fifteen interactions. Touch with points, yeah. That's it. Yeah, with a, with a yeah. customer before they'll even engage, before they'll they'll pick up the phone or they'll buy from you. So that single website visit isn't going to necessarily win you that business. You've got to find a way to capture them and to keep them engaged on an ongoing basis. But Lee makes me laugh in the sort of saying about people want the information really quickly. So. Here's a really good example of how short an attention span people can have. So he'll do a Google search and he'll generally won't even go onto the second page or the third page, but not, and that's quite standard. But not only will he not go onto the second page or the third page, he'll scan the um, results. And if he can't see the potential answer to his question within the results, he won't even click on the Google search because he's like, I don't have time. I think, you don't have time. It's going to take you 10 seconds to open that website page and look. But no, if I can't see it, an example of it in the Google list, I'm not even clicking on it. So people just, they just want the information quickly. Um, so yeah, so just making a content plan and really thinking about what your user is going to want to know straight away when they land on that page is really, really important. Absolutely. And you can only find that out by knowing your customers. And, you know, yeah. th this is why at Vegan Business Tribe, one thing I keep pulling people back to, no matter if you're looking at a website or no matter if you're looking at building up a, a social media following, you need to start with your customers. You need to understand what journey they're going through. Because when someone comes to your website, they're looking for really specific questions, just like you were saying with Lee, really specific answers. And you need to get them to that part of your website, which is written just for them and talks about their problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, one of the things as well is, is really important to do is to sit down and, and go through your competitors like we did, you know, when we, when we set Kakadu up, look through your competitors' websites, because they are really great. They're a really great resource to work out what works, what doesn't work, um, what you can do to beat them, and just get a real feel for how you could potentially set your website up so it looks, it, it beats your competition. But also, we always say to people, don't just look in your sector. You know, look at the websites that you like to, to visit generally or that you don't like or go into a sec into just a pick a random sector and go through those websites. Because quite often you'll find functionality or features in other sectors that you think, oh, 
that's clever. I could use that on my site. Or that's an interesting way to represent that bit of information. I could use that. So it's, it's, it's really important to take your time before you even start building. Take your time and research and plan. Um, because it, it, your website is one of the most important pieces of your marketing toolkit. And if you get it wrong, um, you, you lose the opportunity to, to engage with your customer and, and you lose potential sales. Absolutely. You can lose sales for really stupid reasons as well. You know, I, I, I mean, my background, I've done lots of, you know, online marketing. I've done lots of web and things like that. Uh, when you actually talk to customers, and if you can actually get a hold of a customer who's been to your website and didn't buy, that is gold dust. Because um, I remember I was working with one company and people weren't buying because they didn't know how long the cable was on their electrical equipment. And it was, you know, and it, it, it's these stupid things like yeah. that. And, and one rule I always have is every stupid question you get, put that in your FAQ. Mm-hmm. So, so that, you know, next time someone's got that question, that they can find the answer to that. But, but again, you only find that out through engaging with your customers and planning what's going to be on your site. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think it's really important as well when you've, if you're going to build a site by yourself, you know, if you're, if you're bootstrapping, you're, start, you're a startup, you're really limited with budget um, and you're, you're needing to do this yourself, it's really important to get people to look at your site and ask them for really honest feedback because when you're doing it yourself, you you get so close to it, you can't see the gaps, you can't see the holes, you can't see you you've been working on it potentially for like a few weeks and you've lost the ability to see it from a, with a fresh pair of eyes. So it's a good idea to get uh, to get friends and family to look at it and and give you feedback on how they found it to navigate around. If they found sections of text way too long, or if they found sections that were just they could have done with with an extra answer, or um, it just helps you to see any of the holes that that you might have missed. Very much so. Now, one thing you mentioned um, just a moment ago as well was also about planning what outcome you want from someone when they come to your site. And, and, and this is really important. I don't think enough of people plan this because just at Vegan Business Tribe, we've got so many ways that people will try and get in contact with us. Um, you know, it's not just emailing us or filling out a form. People want to send us WhatsApp messages or, you know, people even send us Instagram videos to ask a question about the site. So I think when it comes to calls uh, to action, you can't just have an email address or contact form on there anymore no no you've got to have lots of different ways for people to engage with you so for example calendly calendly is a really great tool that that is becoming more and more popular where it's really easy for people to just go on and say i want to book a meeting with you and they can choose the time instead of having to go back and forth back and forth with emails it the easier you can make it for people to engage with you the better and it's also thinking about what you can do to keep them engaged so so it may be that um, you create a really great bit of blog content you, you've got sort of a worksheet or something that that fits with that. So it could be that you've written um, 10 ways to, to make your business more ethical. And it could be that you've got a worksheet that you've created for that, for that company to then take away and use to analyze whether their website, not website, so whether their business is ethical. And in order to get that worksheet, they subscribe and give you their um, email address. And then you can keep in contact with them and you can keep that conversation going and build that relationship to a point where you're able to then 
hopefully work with them one way or the other. I don't know what the stat is, but you know, people throw these statistics around all the time. But I read one that said um, 85 to 95% of the people who actually come to your website, they're not ready yet to get in contact with you. Then they're, they're not ready to buy. So you need to have this secondary softer call to action just to kind of capture someone's email address. Otherwise, you know, someone could come to your website, they could spend an hour looking at everything you've done. And unless you've got something to actually capture an email address or engage them, you didn't even know they were there. Yeah, and especially because, like, like I mentioned earlier, your website is quite often one of the first things that, that people go to when they're researching your company and they're researching either buying your product or buying your service. And they're not just going to go to your website. They're going to go to several of your competitors. So if you're relying on the fact that, that your website is potentially going to be the last one that they go to, by which case they've made, which point they've made their mind up, Probably not. You know, you you could be the very first one they've gone to or the middle one. So they're still they've got a lot of research to do before they make that decision. So if you've lost that opportunity to capture them and to engage with them at that point and start that ongoing conversation, the likelihood of them coming back or you being able to capture them again, quite minimal. Absolutely. And you used that term lead magnets a moment ago. So just explain what that is. A lead magnet is is essentially a piece of content um, that you give away to your visitor in return for generally their email address. Um, so it could be anything. It could be, like I mentioned, you know, a downloadable worksheet. It could be an, a guide to something. Um, it could be a, a short video course. Um, it could be a free gift. You know, if you're in retail, it could be 10% off, something like if some If some kind of, I'll give you this if you give me this. It, it, it's transactional pretty much, but it, they're not physically paying for anything. That The main thing is getting them either to sign up to a newsletter or follow you on, on your social media or something like that so you can keep engaged. I think one thing which people forget is actually getting an email address out of someone it's hard because you use the right term there. It's transactional. And although someone, they're not actually paying money to you, they know it's a kind of precursor to that. So, you know, getting someone's email address is hard. So you have to be offering something um, that really connects with them on their journey and on their buying decision. You've got to be giving them something that actually enables them to make up their mind about purchasing a product. Yeah. And you've, you've also, once you've got it, you can't abuse it. I mean, I, the amount of times in the past I've signed up to a newsletter and then I've got daily emails from them. You know, I bought some socks for Lee at Christmas and I got an, an email from them every single week. I'm not buying socks every week. Like, seriously. So what did I do? I unsubscribed. And, and it's a real lost opportunity. If they'd have cut that down to one a month, I'd probably still be on their newsletter. But once a week was just too much. So it's making sure you use that email in, in you know, an adequate way because that having their email address is like gold dust, really. The very fact that they've given it to you is major. It's a buying signal. I want to keep engaged with you. I want to know more about your business. Tell me more. But the minute you irritate them, they're gone and they'll never come back. You know, you've lost that opportunity. It is, and especially if they give you their email address before they've bought something as well. Yeah. You know, again, yeah. that is a huge, as you said, a huge buying signal um, because you can then use that to nurture them. Because uh, something I learned, you know, very early on in my career is if somebody says no, they're not always saying no. Quite often they're saying not yet, but something actually has to change in their world before they'll become a customer. And Email marketing, especially, it's just such a great way to nurture someone and to develop a relationship with them. And quite often they need to do that. They need to have a relationship with you and your brand before they will part with some money. 
Yeah, because I mean, there's that whole saying of people by people, you know, they 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 want to feel like they are spending their money with someone who they trust, who they get on with, or they're, they're spending it on a product that's doing the, the right thing, or is really going to tick that box for them. Because it, you know, buying stuff in a, in this society that we live in, it gives you that endorphin hit, doesn't it? So, you know, they want to make sure that when they spend their money, they're going to get the best endorphin hit they can get. So it, it's important. You really need to give them that opportunity to feel like they're making the right decision. Let's just keep this conversation going, though, because I think we're uncovering some sort of real nuggets here. And one thing I'd like to talk about is, again, something you've already mentioned about this idea of building your own website versus using a designer and developer. Now, sometimes it's not even a decision for you to make. You simply don't have the budget to go out and find someone who can build a website for you. But how far can you actually go yourself with a DI website? At what point do you actually reach that um, point where you do need to engage with a professional? To be honest, it depends on the person. You know, for someone like Lee, he could he could do it all day, every day. But for someone like me, I need to be taught. I needed to be trained. So it does very much depend on your own personal skills. Um, but everyone can do a certain level of it. There's quite a lot of tools out there that enable people to get a relatively decent looking site up by themselves. Um, so, for example, Squarespace is, is a good platform because they have lots of different themes. They're, they're already pretty much ready, ready built. So you can go in, choose a theme, change the images and change the text. And you've got something that works and looks pretty decent. And um, the same with, with if you've got an e-commerce store, something like Shopify, they've got things again where you can go and you can create, create an e-commerce site that, that is functional and looks fairly professional. But it's when you need to start, you know, kicking it up a gear and you need something that looks really slick that you know really represents your brand really well it might be that you need a complete brand identity it's not just you need a white a white website with a few images and a few bits of text you need to really start building a personality at that point you'd probably want to start working with professionals to help you to really get the personality and the brand across on your website but there's a there is a certain level you can get to I think you're 100% right with that, Kaylee. Uh, you know, and especially you mentioned there's Squarespace and there's, there's Wix and Shopify and there's all these kind of um, you know online builders you can use. And I think what they're actually really good for is testing a concept. And in marketing and business growth, we talk about this idea of a minimal viable product and an MVP. And these sort of systems means that you can test things really easily. You, you, you can get a page on there with a product on there. You can send some social media traffic to it through Facebook advertising a little bit. It just to see if something works and see if there's a marketplace. Because I'm always a big fan of saying that when you invest money into anything in your business, you only invest it into something that you've already proven is working to scale that up. And I think using those systems to test first and then go engage with, with professional website developers once you've proven you've got an audience, I think that's not a bad way to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you don't you don't want to spend potentially thousands on a website and then find that your idea doesn't work and you've got to completely change your, your business model. You know, you've just thrown all that money away. So yeah, definitely. The only thing I would say is we're not big fans of Wix because, and I don't know, I don't know if you've seen this, they, it drives me mad. They have their online builder and you've, and with, you know, so many people that built their website and it looks great. And then they've clicked to the mobile version and it is a mess. So it, we advise don't go on Wix. 
<laughs> you're not the first person to tell me that. that I'm sure at some some point in the future, so if people are watching and listening to this, you know, in, in three years' time, hopefully by then they'll have changed it. But yes, you are not Fingers the first crossed, person to... Fingers yeah. crossed, but they're blooming behind the times right now, I tell you that. <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? Because, yeah. I, I mean, again, going back to stats that people just pull out of thin air, but, you know, it's more than 50% of, of web now, of web traffic, is on devices. It is on mobile. If I look at the Vegan Business Tribe website, we have exactly 50% on desktop and 50% on mobile. So a lot of people will first be coming to see you on their device or on their phone. So that's so important that your message gets across in those first seconds when it's viewed on that too. Yeah, and also, it's not just is it important from a user perspective, but it's also really important for your search engine optimization because it was, um, I, I can't remember exactly what year, but it was within the last couple of years that Google changed the way they rank sites so that they they basically rank it on the mobile version of your site first. So, so if your site isn't mobile optimized or it's a bad user experience, they will knock you down in the rankings because your mobile version of your site isn't, isn't good enough. And there's also um, another algorithm change coming out in the middle of this year that again is all around user experience and how that site is built and how it's optimized. So it's, it's really important to make sure that mobile side of your site is just as good as the desktop version. Absolutely. And, and I think one thing also when we're talking about this idea of when do you need to use a professional or when can you do it yourself, one thing that a lot of people don't bear in mind is if you've built and you're running your own website, if something goes wrong with that site, you are 100% responsible yourself to fix it. So if it goes down or something stops working, you've got to have a stressful hour to where you're trying to yeah. work that out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I know with, with some of the sites, for, um, for example, Squarespace and, and Shopify, they do have support. But obviously, if you generally, if you're on a free plan, it's not support within, you know, there and then it's you have to send an email and you have to wait for them to come back. And it could take two, three days for them to come back and give you some support. So you you are vulnerable, but it it is a good opportunity for you, like you said, you know, to test the business idea and, and see if it's if it's got legs. Yeah, absolutely. What are the options for maybe, and especially if people are scaling up, um, for going halfway? Because I've seen some very nice websites where people have engaged with web developers to actually build the site, but they've used a, a very good page builder system. So once the site is launched and up there, then the person themselves, they can update it and they can keep it up to date. They can they can even add new pages. Is that something you recommend as well? Yeah, I mean, personally, from our side, we build all of our sites um and we give a handover to the customer. So we we build with Divi. Um, I know you guys have used Elementor, haven't you? So and that's a that's a visual builder. So it, so it means that when we hand that site over to the customer, we can show them how to edit particular sections. We don't tell them how to change the, all of the page structure, but we can <laughs> we can tell them how to you know that text box. This is how you edit that text box, and this is how you add a blog post, and this is where you edit your product details. Um, and and as far as we're concerned. Every customer who has a website built should be able to make tweaks to their website. We don't believe that we don't believe in building a site for a customer and then that's it. You, they're locked out of it. You know, we've spoken to quite a few people where they've had websites built, they've paid for their websites, and then they've wanted to move them to a different hosting provider, for example. And the original website builders have said, oh, yeah, that's fine, but you need to pay us to move it. Well, no, they've paid you for that website or that they've already paid you for that work. And so we're very much a case of you've paid us to build that website. You've paid us to, to, to create this for you. Now it's yours. You know, we're here if you need us. We're here if you need any, any um, support, any changes. But if you want to be able to tweak that content yourself, this is how you do it. 
Um, and I think that's really important when people are looking to work with a professional designer to ask that question, you know, what happens when that site's built? How do I look after it? Can, I want to look after myself. How do I do that? And if that designer is telling you, you you're not allowed, I personally, I would be walking away from them. It's your site at the end of the day. It's your business. You should you should have access to it. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to have the conversation about who's responsible for the site as well. Um, and again, I've seen these awful situations where someone's website's gone offline or something stopped working and they haven't got an ongoing relationship with the web developer, that they're not paying any maintenance fees or that. So it's important also to work out once that site is online, who's then responsible if something goes wrong? Do you have to call a hosting company yourself or do you have a point of contact to go to? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's really important because websites don't stand still you i mean if you're not used to the, the way a website works it, it, they are constantly evolving not necessarily from the front end but from the back end i mean we for customers where we manage them their sites quite often we're doing three four five updates a month and you would not realize from the front end that all of that work's been done but i mean recently there was a wordpress update so the wordpress update came in and then all of the themes have to update to, to be compatible with the WordPress update. And then all the plugins have to update. It's constantly evolving. And if you're not comfortable with that, and you're not comfortable with the fact that you need to go in and constantly update, you need someone to do that for you. Because sometimes you'll update WordPress, for example, and then you'll update a plugin, but the two aren't compatible. They're, they've not they've not sorted themselves out and something will break. So then you have to go and work out what's broken and fix it. And if you're not tech savvy, you're going to sit there and have a bit of a mild moment of panic. because <laughs> you're just like, Whoa. So, yeah, it's really important to make sure you've got that support. I tell you what, Kaylee, I'm relatively tech savvy and I still have those moments of panic all the time. <laughs> It, 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 it is the worst thing when a website just stops working, yeah. um, you know, and it, it is always an update in the background that's, yeah. that's happened and, and you've not quite been on top of it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I 100 percent understand what you're saying. There. Yeah. I, I think the important thing to say, though, is it's not just the technical side, is it? I mean, um, now, obviously, you you run a web and design agency, so this will be your view. But, um, you know, one thing that those professionals will bring, yes, they'll help you walk through structuring your website and understanding your customers, but they will just make it look wow. And that's something that you can't always do yourself. You know, even if you're technically proficient, you, you might not just have that eye to make something just look like it just really grabs you and it, it, it just makes that huge impression in those first few seconds. Yeah, and I mean... That's why we have we don't just have Lee, for example. You know, Lee's great from a visual perspective and he can do all the beautiful design and all the rest of it. But when it gets really techy and co in, into the code, that's not his speciality. That's Paul. And I think it's really important to be conscious of your limits, which is why, you know, I don't I don't do any of the design. It's not it's not it's not my in my speciality. I do all of the project management. I, I'm the face, you know, I do all of that stuff. That's where I'm most comfortable. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's understanding where your limits lie and making sure you've got people around you who can, who can pick up where, where you can't. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, just wrapping that section up, we are pretty much saying that if you've proven something and you know it's working and you want to take a business to the next level, there comes a point where you need to engage with professionals to do it. But a lot of the time that does come down, down to budget. But yes, we're, we're always going to be saying, you know, if you can afford a professional, go use a professional for your website. But let's just look at it. it 
even if maybe you're not at that point yet, or maybe you just haven't built up the budget to do that yet, there's still quite a lot that you can do to improve your own website uh, as well, isn't there? And I think one of the things that people often miss is just looking at how people use your website. So, so many people will build the site, but they don't do the basics like just installing Google Analytics, for instance, just to learn how people are using the site and where their traffic's coming from. Yeah, and there's things like that. There's quite a lot of, of websites that we've seen that they've self-built, you know, it was their first one and they, they launched it. And there are things like they've not realized that um, you need to optimize your images, for example. So they'll have taken they'll have taken some great photos on their phone or they'll have, they'll have potentially got a photographer to take some great photos for them and they've uploaded them as is onto the site. Well, those photos are probably three to five megabytes. That's enormous for, for digital. Realistically, those images should be 300 kilobytes. You know, we're talking dropping them down 100%. And, and it's those things that sometimes you don't realize them. It's going through, um, there's a great tool called GT Metrics, which analyzes your page speed and the elements on your, on your website. Um, and it will tell you, so if you've got loads of really heavy content, like massive images or big videos, it, it says, you know, you've got massive resources, you need to optimize them. So there are tools out there that you can use to, to analyze a site. But one of the biggest things is speaking to customers, getting people to actually use the site and ask them, how did you find it? What did you think? Is there something missing? And also constantly evaluating your competition because your competition isn't gonna stand still. So you need to make sure that you don't stand still and you're constantly evaluating where you can beat them. And also your business is not going to stand still. I mean, ours hasn't. If you look at us six, well, a year ago, we didn't have all of our ethics at the front of our of our company. You know, it was all in, in behind the scenes. Um, so we've even, you know, we've evolved. And, and so you need to make sure that your website is evolving with you. There are so many great tools. You, you're right on that, you know, and, and those ones that actually optimize your site. Sometimes they'll even tell you the exact images that you need to downsample and you need to make smaller, yeah. don't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. GT Metrics does it. It gives you a list and it tells you the the files so that you would just basically then take them into. Um, so we've got we've, we've got a blog on our site that talks about image optimization um, and how to do it. But there are quite a lot of online tools as well where you can put them in and they'll optimize your site. It's essentially compression. Um, it will compress the file size and, and reduce a lot of that weight. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's important to do. Yeah, very much so. And this idea of testing as well, you know, not just talking to your customers about how they use the site, but actually taking a look at your site on different devices. You know, go have a look at it on a laptop and all of a sudden you, you'll see that this really important message, it's cut off off the bottom of the screen, you know. Or if you've got a friend who's got, you know, a huge monitor, I actually I actually use a, a HDTV to work off. I, I've got a massive monitor and websites look completely different on that to they do, you know, on, on someone who's working on a laptop, you know. So, you know, check it on your phone, check it, check it on your mum's phone. Go, 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 and have, go and have a look at it on your Kindle and just see how your website is adapting to those different displays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the whole responsive element of it. It's really, it's really important. And that also goes back to what we we're talking about user experience, but also from the search engine optimization perspective, it's really important to make sure it's responsive. Let's just bring that to its logical conclusion then. So, so at some point, we all agreed you will need to go and engage with a professional web designer or developer to, to help build your site, to take your brand to the next level. But that, if you've never done that before, that's actually quite intimidating, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it really can be. And unfortunately, in, in every industry, there's always people out there that will just take your money and run. And then because of that, it can be quite scary to get someone 
to, to engage with someone and to say, right, okay, I'm going to give you all of this money, make me a, you know, make me a site. Um, so it's really important to, to have a conversation with them, get a feel for them, understand how they work, look at their previous examples. If you know people that have worked with them, speak to them and say, what were they like? How, what was the process like? There's lots of ways that you can, you can research and decide who your, your designer is going to be. Yeah, it's a little bit of doing due diligence and sometimes just asking the people you work with or, you know, even your your suppliers or other companies, you know, you know, who did they use, especially if you see their website and you like it. Because uh, you know, I think the worst thing you can do is you can go to someone who's creative in whatever sense and say, I don't want to influence your creativity. I'm just going to give you a blank canvas to do whatever you like. Because <laughs> if someone comes to me and says that, that's great, a blank canvas. So I'll make something that I like. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and it's, that's why we always say to people, go away and have a look at some websites and tell us what you like, you know, and we always talk to them about what what do you want, how do you want your brand to be perceived, you know, how do you want people to, to see it when they land, do, they, do you want it to be professional, do you want it to be really casual, do you want it to be somewhere in the middle, do you have colours you've already got, what kind of imagery do you, are you using, it's really important to understand what that customer wants. And what their customer wants, because it's all well and good. You know, we could design a website for, for you, for example, David, but the BBT tribe may absolutely hate it <laughs> you know, because we designed it for you and not your audience. So, again, it comes back to what we were saying earlier on. It's really important to understand your audience um, because you need you need it to engage with them. Yeah, and I think that actually speeds up the whole process. I think it, if you do some research yourself, if you talk to your audience and you go out there and find, you know, the sites that you like, that will just speed up the whole design and build process. You know, it, it, it might even, you know, get to the point where, where you're not having to take up so much of the developer's time. You, you might even get the work a little bit cheaper if the designer knows that they're not going to have to design 10 different websites for you to pick from. Yeah. You know, you, you're almost asking someone to read your mind if you, if you just go in and ask for that blank canvas. Yeah, and what, I mean, we, the amount of times we have people come us and say how much is a website and and you, you say well, what do you want you know it's it, and if 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 you ever go to a company and say how much is a website and they give you a specific price they're not building a website for you they've got a template that they're just going to drop your content into and if that's the case you could do that on squarespace you know what are you paying them for you, you unless you really you can't if even squarespace makes you freak out and you're like i can't even do that then at that point, yeah, you probably do want someone that says, yes, it's, it's X price because they can take that technical element from you. But if you want a designer that's going to really create something bespoke, they shouldn't be able to answer the question, how much is a website straight away? You know, they, they need to understand what you what you need. And that's why it's really important to do that research beforehand to understand what you want, because you, you, like you said, you know, you need to be involved in that. It's your business. It's your website at the end of the day. And you need to make sure that it's going to do what you need it to do. And the only way that's going to happen is if you can tell your designer and your developer what you need. They're not mind readers. So it's really important to do your research in, in advance as well. That, that's actually really important advice. And I don't think you should be afraid either just to pick out a site that the designer has already built in the past and say that you want something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's really important to have a look at their previous work because <clears throat> it will help you to understand what they can do. And the other thing as well, one of the, the reasons that we've been quite creative with our own site is to show, you know, you can do, you can be as wild as you want it to be, or you can, you know, you can go really big personality. You don't have to have the very clean, simple lines that, that most people are going for. If you want to stand out and you want to do something different, 
do it. You know, there's nothing holding you back. And I think that, that actually ties into a quite an important point as well, that, um, you know, one thing I always say that if you're a vegan company, you should go out there and try and find someone who understands your ethics and, you know, is, is singing from the same hymn sheet as you. So if you're vegan, you sh- it makes so much sense just to go out and find a, a vegan web developer or a vegan web de- designer, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and not I, I think not even just from a, a design perspective, but in every element of your business, you know, whether that's your accountant or your HR consultant, or your social media consultant. You know, we were having a great conversation with someone recently, and they were um, they they created their own book, and their PR agency didn't understand the vegan sector at all, and so they really struggled to sell it. And the author sold more books than their PR agent because they just didn't understand the vegan sector. So it, it it's every it, I think it's in every element of your business. You need someone who gets your business. You don't want to be having conversations with people just trying to explain why you're vegan. You know, that's you don't want to be wasting your time having that conversation. You want something to, you're vegan, great, perfect, let's just go on with it. <laughs> you know? I think there's a lot of shortcuts as well, though. There's a lot of practical things. So, for instance, you, you won't have to go through your website afterwards saying, can you actually Photoshop out that picnic basket because yeah. it's got boiled eggs in it. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's all those just obvious, you know, schoolboy yeah. and schoolgirl mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think it's also important to point out, and you've, you've touched on this a couple of times now, vegans like to work with other vegans. So, you know, I'm sure that if you've got a client who is the line of your ethics and they're 100% vegans themselves, even if you won't admit it to me now while we're talking, you will be tempted to go that extra mile for them. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Because, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, we all, to be fair, we always go above and beyond for our customers. And it, that's why we set Kakadu up. Well, we both came from a corporate background where it was very much about the money and just making that profit. And it wasn't about the customer and what they needed. And I, I had quite a, quite a few conversations with my manager before where he would say, we've got this new idea this new feature you need to go out and sell it and I would quite often sit back and say well it works for this customer but it's not relevant for these ones yeah but you need to sell it yeah but it's not it's not right for them and so I was always very much one of the ones that was that I I would sit back and be like no I'm only going to do what's right for that customer um but yeah of course we always want the vegan and the ethical ones to to win over the the non-ethical ones yeah, absolutely. And, and that actually ties really nicely into one of the closing discussions I just quickly want to have um, about your ethics in business and looking at how we do business. Because I know that Kakadu, you've recently started offering something called green hosting, haven't you? Yeah, we have. It was something that, um, one of those, you knew we were talking earlier on about once you start looking into something, you suddenly, your eyes are open to all. <laughs> it's a rabbit warren. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and one of the things that, that we discovered was how, polluting the internet is you know it, it's it was ridiculous you looked at there was um in 2019 the global emissions greenhouse gas emissions from the internet the internet industry was equivalent to the aviation industry and, you know we're all very familiar with the fact that the aviation industry is, is heavily polluting but did we ever think that me and you sat here having a conversation could have been just as bad you know you just don't think about it it's such an innocuous part of our day and then it's not necessarily what we're doing on an individual basis but it's it's when you extrapolate it across the billions of bit of emails that we're sending every day you know the millions of hours of netflix we're streaming and all the rest of it that it all contributes to this huge 
output of global emissions. And that's before COVID, you know, internet usage went up 20% estimated through COVID. Um, and so we looked at it and thought, right, okay, well, what can we do to make an impact into that? How can we do something to, to try and fix that problem? Um, and one of the areas we could do that in was, was website hosting. So we always offered website hosting to our clients that we built websites for. Um, but we looked at, okay, well, how, how polluting is the, the hosting that we are putting out there? Um, and our, our servers are now all run on 100% renewable energy. So that's great. But we thought, okay, well, that's good, but we can do more than that. So um, we also plant trees for every, every month for every, every customer's website that is hosted with us. So it, it's not just carbon neutral from the, um, from the energy that's being used, it's also carbon negative from the additional trees. So yeah, so it's, it's another exciting addition to the Kakadu portfolio. It really is, because I think a lot of the time when we talk about being ethical businesses, and this brings us right back to the conversation we had, you know, right at the start um, of recording this session, was there is always that fear of greenwashing, because the biggest companies in the world will say they're ethical. You get the huge, you know, the oil companies saying how green they are and how ethical they are, you know, yeah. so uh, this, is, this is actually proving your ethics when you're looking at the details like this. Yeah, and, and that was, I think, one of the things as well that was really... Um, that also gave us the the push to to bring all of our ethics to the front of the business because we'd started working with a marketing consultant. I remember telling you, and um, and initially when we said to him about we wanted to bring our ethics to the front of of the business, he was a bit oh he was kind of he had the same reservations as us. So that made us go oh okay maybe we shouldn't do this. And then from talking to you and getting talking to a few more people about the idea and bringing it forward, it gave us more confidence to do it. And then the more conversations we had with this marketing consultant and the more he understood and the more he got to know us, he said, do you know what? Do it. He said, because you're not, it's not lip service. You guys mean it. You know, you, it's, it's actually a part of you as a business. You're not just putting, you know, a greenwashing spin over it what we say is what we do it's it's you know it's it's important and um it gave us the the, the balls to put our ethics to the front of the business yeah and, and again that is how you can beat the big companies coming into our marketplace you know when when you've got these huge companies launching vegan products and they're saying that they're sustainable uh, when you really look into it they're, they're simply not and when people say how can we compete when there's a huge brand to just come into my industry this is how yeah. everything you've just said there yeah. that's how you can compete because it's the things like that that actually connect you with your marketplace yeah and it shows that you're it shows you're genuine it shows you're a human at the end of the day you know these big companies we all know what they're about they are just big corporates more often than not it's a, a money-making machine so you can stand out by showing that it's not just money for you you know it's it's important it's your passion it's what you're you're on this planet to do kind of thing. So yeah, it's definitely how you can stand out. Well, Kaylee, I think I can say that only a couple of vegans and a couple of vegan business owners could end up a conversation about web coming down to ethics and have this sort of conversation. So that, that, that is absolutely amazing to have. And I think it's why we all help each other out so much at, at Vegan Business Tribe and just working with other vegan businesses, you know, because this is what draws us together. It is these ethics and, it, you know, it is our veganism. So uh, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been absolutely great. We've talked about some big things. We've talked about some, you know, real detailed things as well. But if people want to continue this conversation and they just want to find out more about yourself and Kakadu and what you do, how do they get in touch? 
Um, so either through our website. Um, Obviously. <laughs> or um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so, and I'm just Kaylee Nicolau. I'm, I'm literally, I think, the only Kaylee Nicolau in the world. I was definitely the only Kaylee Nicolau on Facebook. I was pretty proud about that. And then we're on Instagram, Kakadoos on Instagram as well, Kakadoos on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, pr- predominantly website, LinkedIn, Instagram. That's where we, you'll find us most. Absolutely. And if you there is a vegan brand who just wants to reach out and just have a general chat about web, even if they're not sure if they're at that point at the moment where they can um, you know, engage with someone like yourself, are you happy to have those conversations? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we actually have a service um, where we'll do a free 15 minute video audit of your site. So um, and basically they just they send us their um, web address, their URL, sorry, and their, their name and their email address. And we just do a 15 minute where we go through their website and we tell them areas where they can improve both from a front end and a back end perspective just to give them some tips and advice and that's free no obligation and yeah if anyone's ever got any questions we are always more than happy to help well that was a really useful conversation as i said Kaylee has been such an active champion of Vegan Business Tribe, so it's been great to feature Kakadu on the podcast too. And Kaylee and Lee, they are really the nicest people you could meet, and we got to meet them in person at our member meetup at Vegan Campout this year. So feel free to reach out to them if you've got any questions about web and just mention that you heard them on this podcast. So that is it. And thank you for keeping with us right to the end because this was quite a long one, but it was packed with so much good information. And if you know anybody else who's got a vegan business and they're wrestling with websites at the moment or they're thinking of upgrading or just planning out their site, then please do send them a link to this episode because then they can take away all this great information too. And as always, if you're not yet part of Vegan Business Tribe, then just head over to the website to find out more about what we're about. Our members are what really make Vegan Business Tribe what it is. And I would love for you to be one of our tribe also. It's also how you can support us because membership of our business community, that's what keeps this podcast online every week. So thank you so much for your time. Lisa and I, we really appreciate you giving up the time to listen every single week. And I will see you on the next one.